So how are you doing today, sinners? <laughs> how are you doing today, saints? <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad we're all here. Now, consistent with your level of comfort, I'm going to ask you to participate with me on something. How's that? Uh, just before we go into prayer. If we can close those doors, I'd really appreciate it. Those are the real sinners out there enjoying coffee still. <laughs> now, if you're our guest this morning, uh, again, we just don't want to put you in an awkward position. So if you don't feel like doing this, that's, that's totally fine. But, you know, if you're a regular soul, you know, every once in a while, I like to do different types of prayer posturing and things like that. And so that's what I actually want to do today. Um, I'm just going to encourage you, as you're seated, just to lift your hands to the Lord as an act of surrender and openness and receiving from the Holy Spirit. And as you do that, just allow me to pray. And so this is just an act of surrender, shall we? Father, we just uh, lift our hands to you and we ask you to perform open heart surgery in this place this morning. I thank you that you're an amazing God and you do amazing things. And we ask that you do an amazing thing in our heart. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that you have left us, who leads us into truth, who teaches us, who clarifies your word for us, and leads us into repentance and gives us encouragement. So Holy Spirit, we love you and we pray this morning that you would speak to us and that you would impress upon our hearts what you know we need. We want to hear from you. So give us ears to hear. And we pray... And do these things for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. So over the last few weeks, we've been looking at retooling. And what do we mean by retooling? Well, it's about retooling our vision here as a church. And two weeks ago, uh, I had us look at the Rembrandt picture of the return of the prodigal son. And we asked ourselves as we studied Luke 15, you know, who are we in the story? And it was interesting um, somebody was visiting here, and they uh, uh, sent, uh, I got forwarded my message drawn out, which was really interesting. I, I, I can't remember the, the concept of it, but it's, it's always profound for me to hear back what you have heard. And uh, so we looked at the, the return of the prodigal son, and we, you know, who are we in the story? Last week, I, I sort of stepped out of my comfort zone and did a comparison of, of what golf and church and have in common and I compared a golf course to life and there's a rule book uh, for golf as well for our life. We talked about the importance of uh, your, your stance, your foundation, what we build our life is, uh, or what we built our life on and we also talked about what drives us and that in the Christian walk it's constantly moving forward, our swing which is loving God and and loving people and the fact that our life is just about constantly moving forward. And today, I actually want to come right down and talk about the vision of Soul Sanctuary. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it is. Trust me. Because I've gone through many life lessons uh, prior to this one where I've talked about vision and I've talked about the three R's. I've talked about refuge, repair, rejuvenation. That's basically what I call our mantra, who we are as a church. I talked about know, uh, grow, and go, and how all this sort of all intersects t- together to make up who we are and what we are called to do as a church community. So I've gone back and I've done all that research. And it's interesting because it doesn't matter how many times I preach on vision. 
people still will ask, well, what's the vision of the church? Really? Okay. The vision of the church. I want to make it so simple enough that if you were to ask that question, you could actually answer it in one breath. Are you with me this morning? It is going to be audience participation morning. And so if you are our uh, guest this morning, I'm still going to invite you to uh, uh, participate. If you're one of those people and you're kind of like, um, I don't speak out loud in public gatherings, this is the best time to learn because everybody's going to be saying the same thing and there's no pass or fail. So I just want audience participation because when you leave, you will know the vision of this church. I can guarantee it. Are you with me? Okay. Thank you. So, I have a dream. I've had a dream. I still have a dream. And it's not Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream. It's where we came about over 14 years ago, the church where Jesus is exalted, where we lift up the name of Jesus, a church that is unapologetically Christian, but open to everybody. Everybody. I dream about a a, a church that's empowered by the Holy Spirit, that, that brings rejuvenation to all, to everybody who comes. A church where the, the criticism of the church in general is drowned out because of the loving action of a few. You with me? And it reaches not just one particular generation. It reaches all generations. It reaches all nationalities. I have a dream a dream of a community where there's friendship and it's given and love flourishes within that community. I, I'm still dreaming of a church that meets in multiple locations in order to fulfill its purpose. Did you hear what I just said? I dream of a church that feels the responsibility not just for this city, but for the province, for this nation, and the nations of our world. I dream of a church that is truly like a family full of brothers and sisters who joyfully serve by serving others. I saw that in the parking lot today when I had a choice of lemonade or iced tea. Joyfully serving. Thank you. And serving others and, and, and people who choose to live with, with the understanding of what matters most than anything else are people in heaven. I actually dream of a church that is consumed by spiritual passion. To live the life that God has intended us to live. And I believe with all my heart, I dream of what this dream I dream is really what Soul Sanctuary is becoming. It's our church. It's the church. And in competition with former IPC, it's my church. <laughs> Some of you get that. The church changes their name to my church. I still bug the pastor about it all the time. It's my church. No, it's my church. No, it's my church. But this is the church we dream about. In a city full of churches, in a province full of churches, in a nation full of churches, in a world full of churches that the city, the province, the nation, the world still needs more churches. So here's our church vision, and I want you to say it with me. No God, no freedom, know your purpose, make a difference. 
You're funny. <laughs> but that's not on the thing. So because Yuri has spoken against us, let us speak words of life and truth into Yuri again so that he understands and hears exactly what we said. No God. No freedom. Know your purpose. And make a difference. That's what it's about. Life runs on two tracks, people. Two very clear tracks. There's the life uh, track of blessing. There's a the life of challenge. You can argue with me on this all you want, but I'm telling you what it is. Because we feel it in our lives all the time. And that we also feel it in the life of the church. On one track, there's always something really good that's happening all the time. There are weddings in the life of the church. There are babies. There are engagements. There's blessings. And God is moving things forward. We hear that, you know. Um, people are, are getting saved. People get healed. There's life transformation, stuff like that. But then on the other track, there's also the bad news that's happening simultaneously. Um, bad news from doctors. Marriages are splitting up. There's funerals. There's people losing their jobs. There's challenge. There's difficulty. And the church runs on those two tracks. It's called life. Kierkegaard said the Christian experience is sorrow and joy, tightly woven together. And I think we recognize this, and we even see it played out in the Scriptures. When we analyze the New Testament, we take a look at the journey of Paul in the New Testament. We see that he operated on these two tracks as well. There were the good things and the challenging things that were happening in his ministry simultaneously. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 and 9, Paul's writing to the church, and he's writing from Ephesus. So he's writing to the Corinthians from Ephesus, and he says this, I'm going to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door of effective work has been opened to me. God's doing some crazy stuff. And then he adds, but there's still those who oppose me. So not only is God moving, there's opposition happening. And it's a great opportunity for him. Uh, but he's got this opportunity, but he's also got these obstacles. And they go together. They go together in our lives. They go together in the life of the church. They go together in ministry. And as I talk about vision, I want you to keep that in mind this morning. Let's talk about the great door that was open for Paul. It's played out in Acts chapter 19. That's where we actually find it. And Paul is in Ephesus, and, and he starts... Uh, first telling the people about Jesus, and he does it in the synagogue, and then he moves into this lecture hall, this theater per se, you know, the theater, of, uh, the lecture hall of Tyre uh, Tyrannus. And it's almost similar to us, where, you know, we started in one place and you moved to another, into a, into a theater. The idea of soul was birthed in a church. It was birthed when we were at Calvary Temple, and it, it moved us eventually, you know, through a conference center, through TV studios, through multiple theaters, to where we find ourselves now. And 14 and a half years later, we find ourselves in this place that we ever, never even thought would be part of the footprint of who we were as a church. But when you also look at what Paul was doing, he was going from place to place, and he decides to stay. Wasn't in his plan, wasn't in his footprint, but he decides to stay. And he's there for two years, and he's preaching in this hall. And the scripture goes on to tell us that God not only did miracles, but the scripture is very clear. It says that God does extraordinary miracles, some crazy stuff. And you can read it in Acts 19 that start taking place, things that were mind-boggling. So not only was there powerful preaching, but there was also a season of miraculous happenings there. And, and, and the door was being swung wide open. And yet at the same time that God is moving in, in Ephesus, there's also opposition. 
And you read it in Acts 19, you see how the culture uh, that, that Paul was preaching Jesus in was beginning to have a drastic change. The message of Jesus actually began to change the culture. People are finding Jesus, they're repenting, they're changing their evil ways, and a transformation is taking place. God is doing something amazing, and Paul is staying there. It was happening place. We love to stay in happening places, don't we? When things are exciting, we want to be there. We, we just want to stay in that. But the truth is there's two tracks running side by side. And it's just not all the good and all the glory, but there's also the hard and the difficult running at the same time. And here we see God working in the life of the city, and at the same time there's a tremendous amount of opposition that was taking place. So much so that it was affecting the local merchants. The local merchants are looking at all these people finding Jesus who are no longer buying their idols, and they're now losing business. And why are they losing business? Because of the life-giving message of Jesus. And these people are burning their, their occult items, they're getting rid of all their stuff, and they're not buying the silver idols anymore. And the, the, the merchants, where Paul would have had his tent, we had the privilege of being in Ephesus, we saw probably the general area, we saw the general area where Paul would have worked, where the other idol smiths, uh, silversmiths would have been working. We were in the very theater where everybody rushed into and a riot was about to take place. And these merchants, they blame Paul. They blame the others for preaching about Jesus and, and it was Jesus' fault that their sales are affected. Look at there's always been a mission for the church. We have a mission of life to give. Be it responding, uh, here, even here in, in our city, we, we are a responding church. If I make an appeal, our church responds. We respond to the multifaceted needs of the inner city of Living Word Temple, don't we? We do it for hampers. We did it for clothes. We do it for volunteers to Living Word. We do it to all different other things. We also do it to supporting church plants. Specifically one that's happening in Edmonton that's going to be kicking off fairly shortly. In Edmonton? Yeah, in Edmonton. We support youth ministry. We support children's ministry. What about the needs that are happening around us? And we're a big world vision community, are we not? What, 165 uh, children just in one area in Africa that we support as a community, roughly? If not more now, after Eric Samuel Tim was here. What about Compassion Canada and all the, the, those children that we support? Uh, what, we, what about what we're doing in Indonesia? What about what we're doing in, in Africa at Helping Hands Ministry or Home of the Good Shepherd in Brazil? Or, and, and, and you know what? The list can go on. We have been a church that has responded to the need. And every Easter, we started taking up an offering. And uh, you know, uh, this year, we took up an offering on, with our plans to actually go to our own daycare. We need to get the daycare up and running. We raised over $13,000 for that. That's all great stuff. Here's the problem. There's also opposition. It also, you know, the blessing and the heart goes, goes hand in hand. You know, we're still looking to meet the current need of our culture to bring transformation to this city. So what does that look like now? You know, if, if you, you may not know, you may... No, I don't know. We did a media upgrade. Woohoo! Well, we had to. 
We have to do a media upgrade. Most of our audiovisual equipment is actually over 14 years old. 14 and a half to be exact. We're still under, undergoing the upgrade processes. And you're going to see a lot of these upgrades in the near future. The fact is that our, our live stream and our podcasts don't just connect locally. They actually connect globally. Maybe you don't know that. You don't see that, but we do. I have a few pastors that I've never met who watch our life lessons, who, who use our material, who Skype me from areas such as Pakistan. Not to mention, uh, every time I write a, a life lesson, I carbon copy pastors in Russia and the Ukraine, and I encourage them to translate it and to use our message however they want. Not to mention, there are local churches here that are struggling, new church plants, that I, I've talked with their pastors, and I said, just tell me what you want. I've done all the work. Tell me what you're preaching, and I'll send you the sermons. And then you tailor it for your congregation. It's about bringing life to our city. You know, again, I, I bring up this church in Pakistan and how we connected and, and how I've been able to pray with their pastor and pray with their leaders. Wow, all over Skype. Usually at the most inopportune time. Sorry, Pastor John. It's always last. Pastor, can we talk? <laughs> sure. One time I was in full hockey gear. It was a Saturday morning. We want you to pray for our leaders. you got to be kidding me. So here I am. got my bandana on. I'm full hockey gear. And here I am praying for a bunch of pastors and, and leaders in Pakistan. It was hilarious. Our tentacles of this church reach worldwide. And so what we need to do is we need to leverage technology and communication. And we need to make use of our social media and our creative arts. We need to get back to creative arts. And we're looking for people with the gift of being able to look through a lens to communicate to the world around us uh, who we are and what the message of Jesus is. If you're willing to serve in that area, please come talk to me. But it's just a small area. It's just a start. We want to meet the current needs so that we can reach the current generation. This church has always been about the next generation. When we started, I knew there was going to be Sharon and myself and four kids. That's what I knew for sure on the first Sunday. And it turned out that we had, what, uh, our, our core was 50. That included kids, but the majority of them were boys. It was great. It's just in our DNA. Last week, 95 kids in this building having a blast. Have you ever walked into the youth center upstairs? I would venture to say that many of you have not. There's a series of five pictures that they live by that say this. If you can't see it on the slide, I'll read it to you. We believe you can't do life alone. We believe in taking the next step. We believe save people, serve people. We believe found people, find people. We believe greatness comes from giving. What? You're teaching giving to youth? Are you out of your mind? This is the vision of the next generation, people. This is what powers the younger generation. And keeping that with that, we've updated our website, and some will say big deal. Well, let me just tell you, it is a big deal. It's a huge deal. There have been people who have been watching our podcasts and our live streams that have never set foot inside this facility. We have one guy regularly in Scotland. This is his church. Hey, Danny, how are you? He watches, he emails, he texts. I'm his pastor. 
It's just the way it is. It's the way our society is going. One story of a young adult was that she was watching online and then she saw our ad for our co-ed soccer team. It's a number of years back. She showed up to play. She was asked, hey, you know, what gathering do you go to? Do you attend the 909, the 1111? Her response was, neither. I just watch it online. It's a new day today. It's a new generation. And as Paul said himself in 1 Corinthians, he said, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. And a lot of people will quote this, but they'll never do it. And they'll never put their money where their mouth is. And so in order for us to move the church forward, there's always going to be opportunities and there's always going to be obstacles. And they work, like I said, simultaneously. They work hand in hand. And having a vision will help face those obstacles, Right? The Bible says if you don't have a vision, the people are going to perish. But with a vision, you're going to fight through the obstacles because you'll make it through. And you're going to go where God has called you to go because that vision will hold it to you. So our vision is simple. I just want you to say it with me. No God. No freedom. Know your purpose. Make a difference. Can you say it with some excitement and enthusiasm? I mean, you sound like zombie apocalypse. No God. No, fam. That's what you sound like up here. To say it one more time. No God. No God. Thank you. No freedom. No freedom. Know your purpose. Know your purpose. <laughs> at Seoul, we acknowledge the fact that everybody's on a spiritual journey, and not everyone is at the same place on the path. We get that. This is a community that's open to all people. While at the same time, we need to be focusing our efforts at reaching the unchurched people. We want to be a church that's known for its love, that's known for its friendship, that's known for its community. And we try to do this by teaching the ancient truths of Scripture and, uh, consistently in life, but also in deed. And simply put, we, we desire to be real with ourselves, with others, and with God. That's what we want. We, we help people take their next step in their spiritual journey by revealing the life-giving message of Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's about these life-giving messages of Jesus. It's about knowing God, seeing lost people found, having a, created a safe environment. That's what we like to think this is, where you can bring your, your non-believing friends and family members it's about being on a spiritual journey. And a journey then means what's the next step? What's your next step in your spiritual journey? You know, for that one young adult who was watching us online before engaging with our soccer team, that was their next step. What's yours? You know, we want to see people, obviously, to uh, know God, but the, the, we also want to see people to know freedom. And maybe you're already a believer. Well, we want to see saved people pastored. Or as I call it, shepherd the unshepherd. That, that's what's happening right now in summertime. Maybe you're one of our guests who are checking soul out. You need a shepherd. Right? It's not just good enough for us to have an eternal change. You know, yeah, I'm a believer. I know God. But we need that freedom that God has for us in a relationship and we all need shepherding. We all need encouragement. We all need support. And so we want to see people who come and find Jesus find that relationship that will help support them. And maybe it's getting involved in a life group. Or maybe it's divorce recovery. Or maybe it's celebrate recovery that helps you deal with all different types of hurts, habits, and hang-ups. It's not just for addictions. 
It's to help you. It's probably some of the best stuff that's out there. And not only do we want to see people know God and know freedom, but we also want you to know your purpose. Like, how do you do that? We want people to learn how you're wired and, and learn your giftings and learn who you are and, and, and who God is so, so that they can be effective. And scripture is clear that you were created for a specific purpose. You were created for a specific purpose. You can't argue that. The place to start finding out if this is all kind of new to you and you're new to our community and you heard it on the, the video is life uh, growth tracks. Sign up for Growth Tracks, where we take time to work with you to find out how you influence people to, to, and make maximum use out of that, to understand who you are and maybe what your giftings are. And so once you know God, you know freedom, and you know your purpose, we want you to uh, step out, and we want you to make a difference. Make a difference. If you're trained, then you can mobilize, and you can have a bigger impact on your community and our community. And if you look at our vision, it's all about your next step. So what is your next step? Maybe for some of you, your next step is being baptized in water. Well, that's happening in September 9th. Maybe it's attending growth tracks here in August. Learning about soul, learning about our culture, learning about where you can serve, where you can fit in. Maybe it's about getting involved in a life group. Well, we're going to do a special Sunday in September on that one. Maybe you have given your life to Jesus and you, you are in a great life group, and you've gone through growth tracks, and now you're serving on the team. Well, what's left for me now, Jerry? Have I arrived? No. Either move or move somebody else. You got me? You can always use your parking spot. It's a constant process, people. It's not like you've arrived. It's a constant process. We're constantly moving. There's no sitting aside. There's no being passed. Discipleship is not the accumulation of knowledge. Listen to me, Western culture. It is not the accumulation of knowledge. Your spiritual growth is not based on how much you know. It's based on what you do with what you know. You with me? So you either move or you help us move somebody else. And the team is never closed. Discipleship is that movement in your life. So what can then we do as a church and help create for you to move? Help you grow personally. There's always movement going on in our lives, is there not? There's always something where we need to grow in our personal life. Maybe it's your morality. Maybe it's your character. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's the way you handle your business. How can we help? How can the church help? How can people in the church work hand in hand and move together? We want to celebrate that with you. We want to help you on your journey. We want to help you take that next step. So here's the vision phrase that will help you easily articulate that. You know what it is? We want to live those statements here at Seoul. And we want it for your life as well. Your friends, your family, your neighborhood, our city, our province, our nation, our world. So how are we doing with this? How are we adding up? What's our plan then? If that's the vision, that's great. What's our plan? Well, here's the plan to help implement this vision. We are a church 
who are going to prioritize developing future leaders. So how does this happen? It actually happens by leadership taking the example, starting the example, being the example. Our steering committee, for those who don't know what a steering committee is, it's our name for board. So our steering committee, a few years ago, thought it was very important that we create a special chair, a special seat that's around the table, specifically for people who are 30 years of age and younger. So currently, Brendan McKay sits in that seat, and he helps give guidance to the direction of the church. Now, in case you didn't know, our, our steering committee is actually made up of nine people. They are Brendan McKay. Facebook is a wonderful thing. I just want you all to know that. So, steering committee, please hold on to all your seats because I found, I creeped, and I got. That's all I can tell you. So, you see Brendan. He won't be here next Sunday because he's getting married, right? So, congratulations. It was wonderful, Brian. Uh, that's Steve Beal in the center. Steve, um, it's his wife is on the other end of the camera. Uh, that's his trip in the in, uh, uh, United Kingdom. And then, of course, John Evans is the one on the left. Um, being kissed by his wife, Sue. We also have Odette Fernandez. We have Min Lee, who is on the far left, and we have Jake Peters. We also have, these are my two favorites, Debbie Robinson. Debbie, you don't know how hard I had to search Facebook to find a picture of you, but I did. <laughs> and Ryan Sneath, I don't think he's here today, but that's from the Winnipeg Free Press. So there we go. I had to find that one. So it's out there. And that's Thursday night, we also, uh, the steering committee met and got together to elect a new person to the seat that was vacated by Cliff Dirksen. And I have to say this, um, this is probably the first time that we've ever had as many nominees as we did, and I need to thank all the people that left their name standing, because they were all caliber people. And so after some uh, thought, prayer, and discussion, the steering committee, and I'm thrilled to present to you today, uh, voted on Chrissy Kim to be on the team. And uh, we want to welcome Chrissy. And Chrissy has subsequently converted from Eulerism, and uh, <laughs> I'm thrilled to say that. But we're not finished there, because this is interesting. So that's, that's the leadership team. So we're not finished there. I said that they're going to lead by example. So in keeping with implementing the vision of developing future leaders, the steering committee has agreed to and has already started to put into protest, uh, process. <laughs> and I, laugh after, I laughed after it when I was putting it to a program that we call LIT. Sorry, um, didn't mean the cultural connotations, but it's a leader in training. And so, now again, this is for the steering committee. Now listen to me what I'm saying. So a leader in training program is, is, is whereby up to four individuals between the ages of 18 and 25 will be asked to sit and be an active voice now in our steering committee meetings representing the next generation voice. So they will sit around the table. Yeah. They will sit around the table. They will participate in the discussion in the life of the church. But with one stipulation, they will have no legal responsibility. Now, that's, that's a critical component in all this because they're young. We're discipling them. They're in training. And so they will be what we call uh, LIT. And, and more so, in order for that to happen, it's not just people, hey, I want to be in that. I want to show up. No, you'll be appointed uh, and verified by the staff here of the church. But more so, each steering committee member will personally disciple 
one of those people. So they will meet with them post pre-meeting and, and post-meeting, and they will disciple uh, a leader in training in the life, the history of not just the church and not just in governance, but how to empower and guide them and give them life skills for the future. So we need to start at the bottom. You with me? And so we also have some plans brewing for an internship program that will be led by Jordan Machalski to begin the fall of 2019. This puts pressure on us to move. So we're going to be looking for a number of next generation future leaders who will be willing to listen, take 10 months, a 10 months intensive program designed to provide young adults. So if you're 18 to 25 and we want to give you an introduction into theological education and experience into to local church ministry and both local and global missions exposure, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? This program is looking to, to seek to raise local church leaders who are passionate about the mission of Jesus and the love of God. We want to be able to equip them to reach out and to minister to the soul sanctuary community, but the, not, not just us though, but the city of Winnipeg and the world at large. And to develop leaders and prospective church planters is my hope. Are you with me? We have to do it. Is it all free? No, it's not. I just need to say that. Stop being cheap Christians. Gosh. Gosh. i got to preach on Napoleon Dynamite. No, there's going to be a cost. There's going to be a cost financially, but we're going to make it well worth it. Paul writes to Pastor Titus. He talks about the importance of older men and older women pouring into the younger generations. Yeah, a little book in the Bible that we always over, overlook. Paul knows that non-believers on the island of Crete, they're watching the Christians. The church that past, Titus is pastoring is, is being watched. In fact, many people on the island of Crete have never seen a Christian, much less seen a Christian community. It sounds like Winnipeg, right? So they're watching the young Christians and these young developing churches on this island. And as they're watching, they are drawing their entire understanding of the Christian God, of the gospel, and of the Christian life based on what they're seeing in the young Christians on the island. Based on their behavior. And so they're looking at these Christians, basing everything they know about Christianity on them. And so what Paul does is he tells Titus that he knows that people are watching the church. And so that the church, the church needs to live in such a way that it's teaching these non-Christians who are watching what's true about God and of Christianity, what's true about the message of the gospel. In other words, your lifestyle needs to match up with your message. Paul's writing that to Titus. I think it should be applying to us today, does it not? And he then goes on, he begins to tell Titus, he says, uh, 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 what he needs to teach. And he tells Titus that he needs to teach older men in the church. This is what he tells Titus. Older men are to be sober-minded. I like that. You know, this is what the older men should exhibit. It doesn't mean that they're, they're sticks in the mud, but it means that they're sober-minded. That, that, it's that word self-control. It's the word that Paul uses many times. And, and he means to get a point across by repeatedly using this word. And so self-control is one of those virtues, interesting enough, uh, that the Christians on the island must exhibit in order to distinguish themselves. Listen, distinguish themselves from the culture around them. 
And the culture around them was not self-controlled in terms of what Paul has in mind here. So how did they accomplish this? They did life together. He then turns to the older woman. I love this verse. Older women are to be reverent in behavior. That word reverent actually means holy. And even more specifically, ladies, it carries this idea of acting like a priestess. Isn't that interesting? And Paul is telling the older ladies to practice the presence of God in your daily lives, in your daily activities, in your daily interaction with with people. And he goes on to add, not slanderers or slaves to too much wine. (laughs) Now, again, Paul's addressing the culture of his day, is he not? There would have been things that, these are things that the older women on Crete did. It was a popular thing just to join in with the slander, prayer requests, the gossips, and, and of course, to polish off a bottle or three uh, before noon. That was basically what was going on. And Paul is saying, Christians live differently, people. We live differently. And he says, he continues, they are to teach which is good and so to train the young women. And Paul is talking about this type of teaching that happens on a day-to-day basis when you're around other people and you're teaching them by example through your conversations. And he's trying to say, look, at a part of a healthy discipleship culture of a church is that the older women are intentionally involved in the lives of the younger women and they're teaching and training them by their lives, by their examples. And this is what we as a church plan to implement and it begins in the life of our leadership. Are you tracking with me? So here's the picture. So we will develop future leaders here at Seoul and I seriously believe that God brings people into our lives who will challenge us and cause us to grow and develop and that's what the church is all about. And I believe that we have every resource that we need here to reach the people that God has called us to reach today. I believe that without question. And I believe that God has placed soul sanctuary in this city amongst other churches as well. But we are responsible for the people that Christ puts in our way. And yet, that's our vision, but there's a whole bunch of housekeeping that we need to do here right now. This building, yeah, hey, you know, it's relatively new. I hear it all the time. Oh, you're building, you're building, you're building. You know, I just say thank God. And number two, it's just a building. I want the people. The people is what I care about. This is just a tool. This is just a tool that we need to do that's relatively new, but with all the rental and all the activity going on, this place is taking a beating, and I know some people point that out, and They have the gift of observation, and I celebrate in that. (laughs) Because I'm blind. I'm I'm seriously blind to every flaw I see. Um, No, we are very much aware of what's going on, and so we are painting the pig, so to speak. You'll even notice that the the one stage is getting darker and darker and darker, and pretty soon it's going to be black, and that's just one area of paint. It's just paint. But uh, this new paint, you're going to see new signage. You're gonna see, we need new sound, new staging, new lighting. Look up. If we were to turn on the house lights, those little uh, what you think are fluorescent are actually LEDs that were installed when we got this building. Well, you, there's about 15 of them that are actually burnt out, and we're not able to replace them because they don't make this fixture anymore. Mm. Yeah. Now, again, that was part of our contract when we built the building. It was a fixed-price contract. We wanted LED. They gave us these fixtures. That's so we're stuck. So we're going to have to be creative, not just with that, but with stage lighting and everything else that goes with it. We, we have solved the lift dilemma, the bane of my existence out there. Yeah. Gosh. 
it should be up and running in a couple of weeks, and if it's not, I will resign. Uh, <laughs> I will just say that. We needed up before Folklorama. We had to go through drawings and hoops in the city, and there was a fine against us because somebody didn't take out a building permit when we were under the assumption that they were. That's why there was a delay and all this other stuff. But we did it. We raised $13,000, as I said earlier, to invest in our daycare area. We need to get signed drawings. Our last quote was $35,000. <laughs> yeah, what? Yes! Yes! I simply say that that's not acceptable. We're looking to you as a community to help us out. Find somebody to help us get our drawing stamped at a minimal cost. Minimal cost. Not to mention, we need to put a washer and dryer in there ASAP because of all the towels and the washcloths that our kitchen is going through every week. We, we, you know what we do? Our staff takes them home. Volunteers take them home. Remember how I said that there's two tracks earlier in the, that there's opportunities and obstacles? We have tons of opportunities here, but we also have some obstacles. And whenever you have a vision, there's, there's things that always push against your vision. There's the external pressures, and, then, and again, that elevator is that one of those external pressures. There's governmental pressures, there's, you know, whether it's uh, provincial or civic or whatever. Not, there's not a lot of, that we can do when we have those pressures other than pray and ask God to help us navigate our way through, and almost a year later, we finally have got through. But those are some of the things that have external pressures. The, the, the second obstacle is preference. Now track with me on this. That is when someone says, hey, Jerry, why change anything? I like it the way it is. And that's our society. Oh, yeah, we're all about change until you change it, right? And when you think about it, our society, you choose what you eat, when you eat. Let me put it this way. I choose what I eat, although I've lost 12 pounds. Smoking! It's killing me. And... And I'm not good at keeping, anyway. <laughs> I choose what I eat at times. And sometimes it eats me. I choose when I eat. That's a horrible thing, especially when you're eating ruffles at 12 o'clock midnight. But I do choose where I live, right? I choose what I do. I choose where I go. And even I choose, well, I don't choose, but you get to choose what gathering you get to attend. And there's nothing wrong with preferences, but we have to understand that once two people who have different preferences collide, we have a challenge, and that's where leadership has to step in and acknowledge, and that will, there will always be opposing preferences. And again, we will actually now see that opposing preferences become an obstacle to the vision of the church. And when that happens, and there's a division because of preferences, that's when leadership has to step in and decide. And so that's what we're doing here at Seoul. We're letting our leadership step in and decide. We just want you to come along for the ride. If the band can come up. From the very beginning of Seoul, we've maintained the simple saying that this is not about you. This gospel, this good news from Jesus, this life transforming, this invigorating, rejuvenating gospel that calls us as individual believers, to share it and to spread it. It's not about us. But we also need to realize that we are all in this together.
And that church and all that we do as church is not about you. It's beyond you. And the church was designed to be full of these real relationships and not just plastic. I'm fine. I'm okay. But true relationships where people are committed and devoted to each other and devoted to the vision. Romans 12 says, Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves, keeping our spiritual fervor while serving the Lord. That means to be devoted means to be a part of real relationship. That means being committed to one another. Are you committed? Are you committed together? Are you committed to the body at large? And when I'm committed, I want to see my team improve. I want to see everybody improve. Why? Because if I'm committed, we're in it together. And when you, they hurt, I hurt. When they're excited, I'm excited. And part of being devoted means being connected. And so to be connected, we then have to take that risk and we have to step out again. We have to let purpose lead, not preference. And we all have preferences. And We all have preferences in what we do, but that's actually secondary to understanding what is best. What is the best way to move the most people forward to Jesus? And that's our vision. What's the best way for Soul Sanctuary to move forward so that we can reach the most people for Jesus? What's the best and most effective way for then us as leadership to help you take your next step? And whatever that is, we, we must do it because we have this strong vision and we need to execute this vision. Are you catching what I'm throwing? Okay, because maybe I knocked you out. I'm not quite sure. So I'll say it like this. We're all going to feel change this fall. And I trust we're all in it together. And if you're wondering where the room for your preference is, let me assure you that I believe that it will be found in our midweek life groups. But you're going to have to wait until September when we begin to unroll what our life groups are going to look like. And then the third obstacle to the church's vision is what we're going to deal is what churches actually deal with the most, but I want to get into those deal, the details next week. And I want to give you the bigger picture next week. So I want to leave you with this question. What are your next steps? Is it to know God? Is it to know freedom? Is it to know your purpose? Or is it to make a difference? What are your next steps? And maybe you're here today, maybe somebody brought you in, and, and, and the first relationship that comes to your mind is your relationship with Jesus. Maybe that needs to be your first step. Maybe you're here because somebody invited you and maybe you're thinking, well, you know, Jerry, that's, you know, I'd love to start this relationship with Jesus. I realize that, you know, I'm not good on my own. I'm, I'm tired of feeling broken and beating myself up. Words that I've heard people say to me all the time. I'm constantly reminded of the things that I've done. I need a change. I need Jesus to come into my life. I need this forgiveness, this renewal from the inside out, that stuff that you talk about, this gospel of Jesus. Let me just say this. If, if that's you this morning, I believe that God is speaking to you. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something in just a few moments. And that would be just simply put your hand up when nobody else is looking so that I can pray for you specifically. And I want to make sure that you get counted in on that prayer. 
Because I believe that even as I speak, life change is beginning to happen. And it's stirring within each and every one of us what our next step is. Do you want to grow? Do you want to know? What do you want? And it all depends on when you get your butt out of your seat and walk out those doors, what you're going to do with what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. It's up to you. God doesn't force himself on us. So what's your next step, people? Maybe you need to know freedom today. Maybe you didn't have the courage this morning to walk to one of the crosses for prayer. Is that your next step? Listen, we're here for you. I'm excited about where the future is going to lead. Let's bow our heads, please. I want to pray for those who your next step is, you just want to know Jesus. You haven't been there before, and you just got to say, can you pray for me? I just need Jesus in my life. If there's anybody here, just put your hand up and put it down real quick again. Let me pray for you. Maybe you need to know that freedom. Like I said, maybe you were afraid of walking to the cross for prayer. If that's you, just put your hand up, put it down. Just let me pray for you. Nobody's looking. God, I pray for every hand that was risen. I'll pray, I pray that you do a work that only you can do, and I truly believe that today is a new beginning and that a fresh start starts right now. God, the old is past, the new has come, and may each person leave here knowing that you are for them and not against them. Help each person establish some new relationships, some new goals, some new steps. Help them understand that they need to connect with someone so that they can live with what God is doing inside of them. Lord, I thank you that, there is, that no matter where we have been and what we have done, that you are willing to accept us and that your forgiveness and mercy are extended to us so that whatever mess we've made of our lives in the past, you're inviting us to do an amazing work. So today, God, as Soul Sanctuary, as we gather, we're asking for more than just a blessing. We ask for your guidance. We ask for your strength to walk this life. And I ask that you would put people in our path uh, to guide, to encourage, to edify, and to rejuvenate. And may you do the same in our walk with you. Stir our hearts in the areas and the giftings that you have given us so that we may not only see this place flourish, but we would see life transformation in the lives of many people, the people that you have placed in our path. So, Lord, give us a glimpse or a vision of your kingdom coming and your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Stand with me. And I ask you, do not put it on the screen. What's the vision of Soul Sanctuary? Can you articulate that to people? (laughs) (laughs) Write it down, Yuri. (laughs) In ancient time, the one who blessed extended his hands for a blessing. Those receiving the blessing did likewise. Here we are, people. Brothers and sisters, as you look ahead to the journey... As you take your next step, may you embrace your roots as you step into sacred history. May you walk with God and may you walk with each other. 
And may God's peace and presence go with you every step this week. So be blessed, and let's see you next week. Now go and live the church. Amen.